Welcome to Stop Shopping Radio. I'm Reverend Billy. Come on in. Extinction. Oh, that's a harsh bummer of a subject. But today, we've got to talk about it again. Because it's real and it's accelerating. But today, let's get into the subject simply and safely. And I think I know how to do it. I have one simple question for you. Answer it. It'll be like a doorway. We'll walk in and be good. We'll be good. Now, all these natural disasters, the fire, the flood, the virus, the heat waves. Here's the question. What is the one thing causing all of this? Now, while you're conjuring up your answer, I'm going to make a quick comment. In our culture, we can't seem to admit that extreme events have a single source. Scores and scores of fires and floods are happening at the same time, and we can't talk about the thing that is behind it all. Extinction is taboo, especially among European Americans. And I don't know exactly why. I guess that's another question. But now, what answer do you have for me? If your answer is the Earth, I believe you are correct on that one. We started it, but the Earth is now completing it. How it all plays out is creative, though, and we can be a part of it. Stop thinking about dying. Stop being afraid. The Earth wants life to live, and we are life. The Earth wants us to participate in this thing called extinction. That's a misnomer. Extinctions exist so that life will continue. The Earth invites us to fight for life. So let's get back into this shapocalypse we started and stop our shopping.
shopping gets me depressed. But what really gets me down is that damn convenience. This is the 20th anniversary of the mothership of this radio show and all the other activism that we do, and that is that is the church of Stop Shopping. We're a secular earth church, as you know. And now we're facing this 20th year, this anniversary. Well, we don't want to raise the glass and be sentimental about it. We want to raise the bullhorn and shout and be badass trespassers into the Bayer Monsanto Laboratories, into the jails. We're trespassing singers. That's basically the activism as always, whether it's the back aisle of the union-busting Walmart or whether it's the neighborhood-destroying Starbucks, whether it's the fossil fuel-investing Chase Bank. We keep singing. Now, 20 years ago, Savitri and I faced this apocalypse. We looked into the wind and the rain and the storms and the fire, and we said the cause of this is shopping, consumption, the fossil fuel-based economy. And so we put that word on it. The apocalypse became the apocalypse, And that is the phrase that we've kept singing in every possible outrageous situation we found ourselves in. And right now, I'm going to invite you to join me in a little review of these songs that we have sung in all those places I just mentioned. The Shapocalypse songs. Here we go. You ready? Kind of a medley. Hallelujah. Here we go. Shapocalypse. So 
Dervish's whirl. In the Church of Stuff Shopping, we have our practice too. We back away. Back away. We back away from the product. That's right, children. This is your altar call. Back away. Turn around. Stop shopping. Here we are. The altar's up here. Remember? This is where you were born before you were born again the first time. <laughs> Welcome back.
Hello, this is news from the natural world. Japan had the highest score for the specific form of social behavior called social mindfulness. This is whether people are mindful of people they don't know. 64 researchers from 31 industrialized countries were involved in the research. Psychologist Niels Van Dusum from the Institute of Psychology at Leiden University was co-initiator and first author of the article. Van Dusum researched what happens when money is not at play, then it is about taking others into account, the immaterial aspect, in essence basic characteristics such as being friendly and helpful. The research focused on the extent to which people are mindful of another person's control over their choices. One example of a dilemma that the 8,354 participants in the study were given is the apple test. Here you have to imagine a bowl with one red and two green apples. You can choose which one you take, but you know that someone will come after you. If you choose the red one, the person after you won't have a choice. If you choose a green one, the person after you will still be able to choose between a red and a green apple. Japanese people were, on average, the most mindful. The Netherlands score was just above average. Turkey and India were at the bottom of the rankings. Van Dusum, however, does not say that mindfulness makes one country better than another. They are different, is all. A fast-moving wildfire in northeastern Minnesota has drawn hundreds of firefighters and prompted a wave of evacuations since it started nine days ago. The Greenwood Fire, in the Superior National Forest not far from the Canadian border, has burned at least 19,000 acres and is 0% contained, according to the U.S. Forest Service. The fire was started by lightning, the authorities said. In a news conference on Monday night Brian Pisarek, an incident commander, compared the fire to a freight train. Once it starts rolling, he said, it starts to build up steam and feed off itself. The fire in and north of Superior National Forest has mostly performed according to the weather, fire officials said, with dry fuel on the ground and temperatures in the high 80s, it was an expanding inferno punctuated by strobes of lightning. The winds were drawn into the fire from all directions, the incident's fire behavior analyst, Michael Locke, said in a video update Tuesday. It created what we call pyrocumulus clouds and really high in the atmosphere, you'd see a thunderstorm, and in fact, they went high enough to produce a few sprinkles of rain and even some lightning. More than 400 firefighters were assigned to the Greenwood Fire, one of two large blazes in the state. About 300 homes have been evacuated, a fire official said, residents in some areas were advised to prepare to evacuate. Water stress, which occurs when the demand for water exceeds the available supply, is already starkest in the Middle East and its surrounding countries, and is projected to get worse within the next decade. In Jordan, one of the most water-stressed countries in the world, people have become used to living with very little water. A study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences showed that Jordanians will have to have their per capita use of water by the end of the century. Most Jordanians on lower incomes will live on 40 liters a day, for all their needs drinking, bathing and washing clothes and dishes, for example. The average American today uses around 10 times that amount. In many Jordanian homes, water isn't necessarily available every day, said Daniel Rosenfeld, a professor with the Program of Atmospheric Sciences at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Groundwater levels in parts of the country are dropping by well over one meter a year, studies show, and waves of refugees from many countries in the region have put extra pressure on the already stressed resource. He added that Jordan had much less rain in 2020 than it did the previous year, putting more than a quarter of water resources at risk and having drinking water sources. The rattlesnake's warning sound is one of the most spine-tingling noises in nature because if you can hear it, you've already wandered too close. 
but according to a new study published August 19th in the journal Current Biology, that communication is more complex than anyone realized. By analyzing the warning vibrations of western diamondback rattlesnakes Crotalus atrox, scientists learned that the serpents rattle at lower frequencies of up to 40 Hz, or more slowly, when a threat is far away. But when an intruder gets too close for comfort a distance that differs depending on the individual snake the rattlers abruptly shifted to a faster, higher frequency warning signal of between 60 and 100 Hz. When test subjects were asked to listen and estimate how far away a rattlesnake in a virtual reality grassland was, they guessed fairly accurately when the rattles were slower, or lower frequency. When the rattles got faster, however, the humans were tricked into thinking the snakes were much closer than they actually were. When a rattlesnake shakes its tail slowly, the human ear can perceive each individual rattle. But at higher frequencies, the individual sounds fuse into a continuous song, which sounds completely different to our human ear, says Boris Chagnot, a neuroscientist at the University of Graz in Austria and senior author of the new study. What's more, through a quirk of perception, the high-frequency rattles sound louder to us even though they're basically the same amplitude, or loudness. More than 35 species of rattlesnakes live in the Americas, from southern Canada all the way to Argentina. When threatened, the snakes rapidly shake the tips of their tails like biological castanets, rattling interlocking sections of hollow keratin, the same stuff hair and fingernails are made of. While humans are just now cluing into the intricacies of rattlesnake communication, other species have been listening for the serpent's rattle for much longer. For instance, ground squirrels can use a rattlesnake's rattling frequency to tell how dangerous the snake is. This works because snakes are ectotherms, or cold-blooded. Their performance is dependent on how warm they are. So, a hotter snake is a more dangerous snake, and they rattle faster. Rattlesnakes vary their rattles for other reasons, as well. Pregnant rattlesnakes are those who have just given birth tend to be more aggressive, while those that are safely hidden below a rock or near a hole are less inclined to rattle. Some rattlesnakes are hard-pressed to rattle at all, relying instead on their expert camouflage to hide them from danger. For the first time on record, precipitation on Saturday at the summit of Greenland roughly two miles above sea level fell as rain and not snow. Temperatures at the Greenland summit over the weekend rose above freezing for the third time in less than a decade. The warm air fueled an extreme rain event that dumped 7 billion tons of water on the ice sheet, enough to fill the reflecting pool at the National Mall in Washington, D.C., nearly 250,000 times. It was the heaviest rainfall on the ice sheet since record-keeping began in 1950, according to the National Snow and Ice Data Center, and the amount of ice mass lost on Sunday was seven times higher than the daily average for this time of year. As human-caused climate change warms the planet, ice loss has rapidly increased. A major UN climate report released this month concluded that the burning of fossil fuels led to Greenland melting over the past two decades. A recent study published in the journal Cryosphere found Earth has lost a staggering 28 trillion tons of ice since the mid-1990s, a large portion of which was from the Arctic, including the Greenland ice sheet. In 2019 alone, Greenland shed roughly 532 billion tons of ice into the sea. During that year, an unexpectedly hot spring and a July heat wave caused almost the entire ice sheet's surface to begin melting. Global sea level rose permanently by 1.5 millimeters as a result. The rain will have a lasting effect on the properties of the snow, leaving a crust of ice behind that will absorb more energy from the sun, until it gets buried by snow. Because of the layer of ice it created, the weekend's rainfall event will be visible in ice core records in the future. And now, we present you, Sound, of Extinction. A melting glacier.
televisions. The buildings have turned into computer screens. And you and I haven't changed very much in 20 years. We're still consumers. And that's what Times Square is all about, is consumption. Buying things you don't need with money you don't have. Hey Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> But what has changed in the last 20 years is the earth. We've never had wildfires or viruses or starvation or heat waves like we have right now. It's happening everywhere. And if we're being honest with each other, we're looking each other in the eye. We know that we're in trouble. Our physical environment is crashing. This place persuades us that we will live forever. Products say, if you buy, you get eternal life. If you make purchases and purchases and purchases, you'll always be young and good looking, and you'll have status, and things will be fine. And two thirds of our economy is just that. We are a consumer economy. But now the earth is saying with the wildfires, with the superstorms, 2,500 tornadoes every year, unheard of diseases. The earth is saying, those days are over. And you and I have to take stock. We have to be honest in a way we never have before. Medicine doesn't save us. Wall Street doesn't save us. Hollywood doesn't save us. Computers, Silicon Valley does not save us. We have to save each other by being honest about how deep in trouble we are. We're doomed. The earth is hotter than ever. The carbon dioxide is going into the air every minute. The big banks, the big corporations are putting poisons in the air all the time. We can't stop them. Why? We're not confronting them. We're not being as brave as our forefathers and mothers were. We're revolutionaries and started this country and abolished slavery and got women the vote. All our advancements have always come with risk. We're not taking that risk right now to save our children. We're not. We're not doing it. Magic time. We've got to start now. We've got to start getting together and stopping the big bankers putting a million dollars every hour into putting CO2 into the air. Long ago, it's been proven that is what makes climate change. There's no controversy there. We've got to be revolutionaries. We've got to be Earth radicals now. And there we were, preaching in Times Square. A couple weeks ago, that's where it began. The notion of the Church of Stop Shopping in Reverend Billy began 20 years ago. Now in this radio show, we fly all the way from Midtown Manhattan to Highway 40, way up in the border waters of northern Minnesota. We're walking along the highway on the shoulder, prayer walking, as they call it, and we're on our way to the state capital of Minnesota, where we're going to gather with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to try to stop the Line 3, and I think we're going to succeed. The Line 3 pipeline, the Tar Sands pipeline. But while we're walking on the shoulder of the road, a matriarch from the Anishinaabe tribe comes up to us, Sister Carrie, and she takes Teodros and myself back with her into her air-conditioned truck. She claims that we're about to get heat stroke. 
So she's gonna save us. And so we, we don't mind, get into that truck. And Carrie starts her monologue. He's gonna run right over this guy pulled in front of him. Close call over there? Well, we had one this morning. I mean, it, it was so scary. The blue truck was screaming on his brakes. The white truck in front of him was diving for the ditch and the water protectors are in the middle. I'm like, I'm sorry. No, it's not. It's privilege. It's it's selfishness run amok. Uh -huh. It is greed and corruption and narcissism and toxic masculinity run the f amok. Because that's what those guys in those trucks do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're on the clock or not on the clock. Do you know those guys go to the to the um, the campgrounds just to terrorize people? Wow. Okay, they shoot off their guns, they run their engines, they they threaten you, they intimidate you, they bully you. On the fourth, they took those great big grenades and exploded them in the river and did a massive fish kill. Oh my God. Isn't that illegal? Yeah. Did anything happen to them? No. Were they rewarded? Yes. Did anything happen? No. Okay. And at, at, at Firelight, one of those great big vacuum trucks ran at us. We were a line of women standing on, yes, in front of their easement, on the, on, yeah. on the highway in front of their easement, and he ran at us. He used his truck as a weapon. The cop let him go. We had him stopped. We wanted her to make a, a written report right then and there, and she refused. Why not? She said, you go pull up ahead over here, sir, and I'll deal with you in a minute. Did he go and pull up overhead and pull over? No, he didn't. He drove off. He drove off. If it weren't for the fact that we didn't, we had his plates, there would have been nothing. Yeah. That was assault using a deadly Car. weapon. Yeah. And the Reverend again, it's time to say goodbye and thank you. And thank you to so many people who put this half an hour together. Teodros Tamaret and Jason Candler and Savitri D and the hundreds of singers and scientists. We especially want to thank the people that walked hundreds of miles from way up in the in the in the treaty lands all the way down to the state of Minnesota state capital. And Sister Carrie, who took us up into her air-conditioned pickup truck thinking that we were <laughs> in trouble. And we were. And now we're sitting here wondering, it's August 25th and they're there in the Capitol today and we're just wondering how they're doing. We know that the leaders of the Lakota and Anishinaabe and, and the many tribes that have joined them, the allies from all over the world that have joined them in, in St. Paul, we know they're teaching us about the earth, how to be good activists for it, to express the earth itself. They're teaching us every minute, every hour. We're grateful. 
Amen. I don't think those tar sands are going to come down through those pipelines. Amen. Earth-a-lou-ya. Earth-a-lou-ya.